Imagine, demand, and build a world transformed. Welcome everybody to today's World Transformed event. Uh, I'm Gemma Bolton, I'm co-chair of CLPD and one of the CLJ Grassroots Voice Candidates for NEC um, in the upcoming elections. Uh, also active in my trade union Unite and vice chair of the United Slave Liaison Committee which manages, uh, in my region, which manages the link between the union and the party. So I'm really looking forward to the discussion this afternoon. Just to introduce the topic briefly, towards the end of the 19th century, it was becoming clear that the trade union movement and the movement for popular rights that the established and to the movement for popular rights, the established UK political parties were not going to serve the interests of, of working people and the trade unions alone would not be able to achieve greater rights for working class people by engaging in the industrial sphere alone. They had to have a political wing as well as an industrial wing. As such, the Labour Representation Committee was created and a party to represent the workers in Parliament was born. So from its very beginning, the Labour Party has always had an integral relationship with the trade unions and the trade a party of the trade unions or a party with trade unions in it. I'm joined by a fantastic panel of speakers as we look at the modern relationship between the trade unions and the Labour Party. Just before we kick off, we want everyone to feel welcome in these spaces and for everyone's voices to be heard. So please bear this in mind when engaging with chat or comment boxes during sessions. Please don't use inappropriate, rude or unkind language and please don't spam. Participants who do violate these principles may be prevented from further posting in the chat or comment box. We're also in this session using uh, a live transcription service called Otter. Attendees using Otter will have to follow a link and open the transcript in, as a separate window. The link will be shared in the chat box by a tech volunteer. But if you're having any difficulties, please message a tech volunteer on the chat. Um, as always, the World Transformed is free for all, but is only made possible by the contributions of supporters. So if you're able to, please consider supporting at theworldtransformed.org slash support to help them sustain the brilliant work they do all year round. We've got brilliant speakers today, including Len McCluskey, General Secretary of Unite the Union, Joe Grady, General Secretary of the University and Colleges Union or UCU, Sam Tarry, who's MP for Ilford South and previously the National Political Officer for the TSSA Union, and Leo Panich, Emeritus P Professor of Politics at York University in Toronto, Canada, and author of Searching for Socialism with Conan Lays. After speeches, there will be an opportunity to ask questions and make points in the comments. So if you're listening to our speakers and have anything you think you'd like to ask, then please keep that in mind and post it in the comments. Uh, our first speaker for today is going is Len McCluskey. So a warm welcome to Len. Hi, Gemma. Um, I hope everybody can hear me. First of all, a huge hello to uh, all the sisters and brothers and comrades and friends who have joined. And also, I want to start with a big thank you uh, to the World Transform for the work that you do. You know. It's sad that we're not at our conference physically because, to be honest, it was the fringe meetings organized by TWT that actually has transformed our party in recent years, full of vibrancy, full of debates and discussions, often far more interesting than what was going on in the conference center. So a big thank you for you, and hopefully you'll continue to do your work and I hope also that uh, this time next year we can be together physically. Um, 
One of the great things for me has been the influx of young people and the kind of electricity uh, that young people bring. Um, for me, it, it, it really is what our movement is all about, challenging all the time, never accepting that what we have is good enough. So it's a privilege for me to be with you, and I hope to see you all in uh, uh, physically um, in, in not too soon. Um, the, uh, you know, the reality is that Gemma has just uh, highlighted, and I, let me just give and add a quick history of the trade union movement, because, of course, the evolution of the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century led to working people collectively coming together and forming trade unions. And, you know, in that latter part of the 19th century, it was the Liberal Party that trade unions used to look uh, for their voice in Parliament. Um, it became pretty evident when the crunch came, when the chips were down, uh, the Liberal parties weren't on the side of working people. Um, <laughs> some things never change. And that's why, as Gemma has indicated, it was decided that we needed a party of Labour in Parliament because trade unions were winning on the industrial front, but then that was being undermined in the political arena. And so uh, the creation of um, a, a party of Labour was the correct way to do, as Gemma says, the Labour Representation Committee. And of course, it always strikes me as interesting when um, the right wing of the Labour Party or the media, especially in recent times, always question why are trade unions involved? Uh, they're getting involved in things they shouldn't be getting involved in. I always answer back to them and say, I tell you why we're involved in the Labour Party, because it's our party. You know, we created it to make certain that we could argue for decent paying conditions and improve the general lots of ordinary working people within our, uh, within our nations. And I think it's important to recognise that trade unions are about coming together. That's the, that's the essence of trade unionism, collectivism, solidarity, uh, community spirits. Um, and therefore, we have a historic uh, and fundamentally central role to play in British politics. Uh, you know, Thatcher was absolutely wrong when she said there's no such a thing as society. I mean, just look at what's happening now with this pandemic and the collective coming together of communities. And of course, trade unions are the largest voluntary organization within our nations. Uh, the fact that that's not recorded in any teachings in our schools, uh, uh, trade unions are never mentioned, is an indication of how Historically, we've always had to fight against the establishment and indeed uh, the establishment who see us as the defence of working people and indeed who uh, are there to stop the exploitation of that uh, establishment. Now, let me just say this about the trade unions historically as well, because the trade unions have been used um, by the establishment, by uh, the bureaucracy of the Labour Party, often to kill 
the radical nature of the rank and file in our constituency parties. It's why we need more of you in the Labour Party, because the argument in the Labour Party since its inception has been about uh, between socialist democrats and democratic socialism. And those arguments have also raged historically within the trade union movements. And that's why we need all workers engaged in trade unionism as part of the wider uh, the, the wider movement of trying to make a better society. Of course, there have been periods in my life, I've been a member of the Labour Party now for 50 years, where, in fact, most of that time, I suppose I found myself in the, um, in the minority. It's why I supported CLPD in the 70s and why all of those groups, Momentum in the New Millennium, the Grassroots Alliance, are all very, very important to make certain that the radical nature of the party is maintained. The Labour Party was created in order to challenge the establishment. And that's quite key to continually remember because Jeremy Corbyn, of course, was the very person that did that. In my opinion, Corbyn has changed British politics and the Labour Party forever. He made the Labour Party once again that party that fights for fairness and justice and decency. Uh, just very quickly, you might recall in 2015 when we were in the general election, we were an austerity party. We believed in austerity light, whatever that was. Um, Jeremy gave, became leader and within nine months, Labour had become an anti-austerity party. You never heard any, <coughs> any right-wing MPs making... Uh, an argument for austerity. And that in itself is an incredible um, breakthrough. I thought what him and John MacDonald effectively put forward this alternative economic strategy, which I believe still is the central issue within the Labour Party. The three candidates that run for leadership all ran on a progressive, um, on a progressive platform. Uh, we became the largest political party in uh, Europe because of that. We drew young people in by the tens of thousands. And that's why the establishment was scared stiff of this idea of challenging the, uh, the establishment, of bringing about a fundamental shift in the balance of power in favour of working people, that old clause for statements. And trade unions, of course, are key to linking what's happening in the political field with what is happening in, um, in our communities, in our working class communities. Communities, of course, which, um, which we lost many of in the last uh, election, but nevertheless, communities which we have to reconnect with. And therein lies the debate that will take place today about what should the left, what should trade unions do in relation to the current leadership. Um, Kia, and I've met him a couple of times quite recently. In fact, I took with me his, um, his 10 uh, pledges. I've told him I'm going to get that framed and send it to him because, of course, he ran on a progressive, um, ambitious programme. And he ran on the basis of making the case, the moral case for socialism. 
And I believe the left's view, and that's why I urge all comrades, I hear about people leaving because they become a little bit demoralized. Don't leave our party. We need to make certain that we make sure that Keir's promises and pledges are the ones that he continues to pursue as we go forward. Uh, that's the way for him to recapture those red wall seats that we lost. That's the way for us to make certain that we're on the side of British workers, ordinary workers in, our U uh, in this UK, so that we can deliver a better society. And it's only through organised trade unions, free from the shackles, that can defend workers at work. And it's the Labour Party that can deliver that for us. So stay with us. The grassroots movements are very, very important. And I urge you to continue to work with us for that better world that is possible. Thanks very much, Jenna. Thank you, Len, and thank you for your commitment to our movement over the years. Um, our next speaker is Sam Terry MP, who was elected to represent Ilford South in the 2019 election. Warm welcome, Sam. Hi, Jim, how are you doing? Good, thanks. So, look, I'll just take it as a great honour of you to follow on Len, and I think it would be remiss of me not to mention one of the huge campaigns that Unite have been working with me alongside in Parliament around British Airways. And you know, an example of where determined and loyal workers have shown solidarity to each other and actually taken on of the richest companies in the aviation sector and pushed and pushed and pushed. And despite everything that's thrown at them, have actually got to a position where that company is finally negotiating in a more reasonable way and working importantly with MPs in Parliament to really highlight just how outrageous the behaviour of that company had been. And for those who haven't followed that story very quickly, you know, this is a company's parent company, IAG, had assets of £10.5 billion, and yet their response to the coronavirus crisis was, first of all, to wage war on their own loyal workforce. Many members of BA had you know, been working for that company for 20, 30, even 35 years, some of the people I saw, and told that they would be fired and then rehired on different contracts with 12,000 potentially looking to lose their jobs. And you know, it's a great indictment, I think, of the trade union movement that because of the links that unions have with MPs like myself who are from the trade union movement directly, that we're able to work so closely together and to really apply pressure on that company to actually begin to behave in a marginally better way and at least open up meaningful discussions with the trade unions. So look, I just want to say a little bit about my personal story and how I come to be involved in the Labour Party. And quite frankly, if it wasn't for the trade unions, I don't think I would be um, someone that would become a councillor. I don't think I would be someone that would become an MP and maybe someone who hadn't even got properly involved in organised politics. It was many, many years ago that I was uh, recruited into the GMB union as a young person. And I remember going to one of their uh, sort of young uh, organisers schools. And actually at that school, they were saying, look, this is the importance of being politically involved. And my kind of political involvement at that time had really just been through being an organiser and campaigning in Ilford around the Iraq war. So it was the early 2000s where I helped found the local anti-war movement. But I wasn't involved in a political party. But the training that the unions gave me, the kind of understanding of our history, understanding of the achievements that we've made, really made me feel 
more comfortable to get involved in a political party and to understand that actually in the system that we have, being involved and the involvement of the unions means that there is something particular and unique about the DNA of the Labour Party. Because as Len says, it really is a party that is born of the trade union movement. And throughout every level, from your local party branch and CLP through to the very top of the leadership, where, in fact, actually, I think one of the greatest testaments in recent years is someone who's come all the way from being a care worker through to being leader of the Labour Party. And quite frankly, that is to me... That, that is to me the strength of our trade union movement is really demonstrated. And when Angelina gave her speech this morning, I think there would have been a lot of working class women, a lot of people who've always been told that they're not good enough, actually realising that through the trade union movement, they are the place that working people have always been lifted up, always been fought for, and always actually organised for real victories. So look, I just want to talk a little bit about the importance of trade unions, because you know, I spent many years working for TSA, uh, best part of a decade before becoming uh, uh, an MP. And, you know, in that role, um, one of the things I often had to do is to, to, to work within the structures of the Labour Party, running training programmes so that our industrial reps could actually think about standing to be politically active. We had training programmes to help people become councillors. We had training programmes in conjunction with the other 12 sister unions across the Labour Party to actually help people become MPs or at least think about standing to be candidates. Because ultimately, we know that one of the reasons that when Boris stands there at the dispatch box and just looks so utterly out of touch, it's because he hasn't walked in the shoes of ordinary people. He hasn't done a day's work at Sainsbury's like I had when I was a kid. He hasn't worked in a care home. He's had everything given to him on a plate throughout his whole life. And I think this is the difference between our party and the Tory party, is that we are genuinely a party that represents every level of society and gives people the chance to progress through those ranks. And if it wasn't for the trade union movement being the backbone of that, it would be, in my view, just another Liberal Democrat party. And so one of the things I often had to deal with as a trade union officer was our relationship with the Labour Party. And I think one of the things I'd really like to get across to the audience of World Transform today is to just that understanding that our party is actually a federal party, that it's made up not just of members in CLPs, but the members of many union branches across the country from the affiliated unions. And that ability to link into the lives and the fights and the battles of literally millions and millions of working class people across this country is unique. There are not even that many parties across the rest of Europe who have such a direct link where trade unions are literally woven into the fabric of our party. And I think that one of the things we need to do, not just to ensure that the leadership of the Labour Party stick to the progressive policies that they've promised, but is actually for us to be more involved with the trade unions at every single level. We've seen over the last six months the disastrous impact of the corona crisis. We've also seen trade unions come into their own where the trade union movement has grown. I think we're up by 91,000 members in this last year. And it's not you know, surprising that at a time of crisis, people will turn to organisations that can potentially help them. But the task ahead of us given that so many hundreds of thousands of trade union members are already or will be potentially you know, facing redundancy, 
is to use that involvement in the party at every level, at a local level, to be speaking to our trade union branches and talking to them about the campaigns that they are running. So that it's not a difference, it's not a Labour campaign and a trade union campaign. It's our campaigning together as a movement. And I remember some of the things that the communication workers, the CW, have done around saving post offices, a campaign that so many Labour people and Labour councillors got involved in that ultimately actually did have a really positive impact in pushing back against the rapacious nature of Royal Mail and potentially a fight that still may yet need to be fought again. Or with teachers. You know, we know that during this corona crisis, the National Education Union has you know, boosted its membership hugely and at the same time has not just recruited new members, but worked hand in hand with MPs, local councillors and most importantly, parents to actually push back against some of the measures that the government was putting in place. Or in fact, the fact that they were not putting measures in place fast enough to guarantee the safety of both teachers and staff and pupils. And that for me is an excellent example of just how important it is that the trade union movement and the Labour Party at every local level are linked together, not just around the Labour Party's national executive table. It needs to be at every level in every community. And if we are going to win hearts and minds and then win votes again in so many of the seats that we lost, becoming again the very fabric of people's working people's lives is going to be even more important because many of us talk about this great movement of ours well we need to rebuild it as a movement so that, that symbiosis between the Labour Party and trade union is there at every level and it can be fun and it can be exciting and it can be tough and it can be some real battles but when Labour Party members turn up to support trade unionists on picket lines when we get briefings on the transport select committee meeting from Unite or TSSA or the RMT that is the union movement at so many different levels working together with the Labour Party so that we are acting in unison to actually be most effective as possible in pushing back on behalf of ordinary working people. And I think that there are a few things I would like to say that I'd really like to encourage people who are from the world transformed and who are tuned in today to really think about. One, how do you get involved not just in your local union branch? How do you support their campaigns? If you're obviously not a union member, then join the union and join one as soon as possible. Secondly, how do you understand the federal structure of the Labour Party? Because we need to use that. The Trojans are the ballast that will help keep the Labour leadership headed in a progressive direction. When you look at some of the measures that the government have actually had to implement, things around the furlough scheme, some of the other measures that have been put in cross that have been for the toys, huge economic interventions. Many of those interventions were things which were being talked about by John McDonnell and talked about by the TUC. If you speak to trade union leaders, the level of engagement between the government and organised labour is an unprecedented level. It doesn't mean, of course, that the government and the Tories and those that they represent, the elite class, are particularly suddenly on our side. But they know that in such a crisis, they cannot have industrial unrest and that actually they do not also have the solutions for the kind of economy that trade unions fight for and organise for, collective types of economy, economy in which wealth of all of the workers is shared on a far more equal basis and where public services are not just hived off to Serco like this failed test and trace system, but actually delivered through decent, publicly accountable ways where our money is spent on our behalf, not just handed over to corporate 
vultures. And I think that the third thing is not just understanding, as I've said, that the Labour Party, because of that DNA and that interwoven fabric, has to always be listening to the unions, is, I think, to really move forward on the plans that we've announced over the last few weeks about getting more key workers and more people from trade union backgrounds into not just Parliament, ultimately, but also standing locally, whether that's in Assembly elections, Welsh Assembly, Scottish Hollywood elections, of course, English Council elections, and then London Council elections that will all be coming up over the next year. Now, this is something that myself, as the um, national elections lead, as part of Angela Rayner's team, I'm really, really keen on doing, because I know that delivery of public services, the oversight of our government or local government, is always going to be enhanced if we have people in those positions who have actually worked in those kinds of jobs. And so for people who are out there, who are nurses, who are bin men, people that are train drivers, people that are bus drivers, folk that are teachers, we need people from every working background to be seriously considering stepping up and actually representing not just your colleagues in your workplace, but representing your community as a councillor and potentially hopefully as an MP. And we will be providing the support, the training. I'll be working with all of the 12 unions to help deliver on that programme because we must sound and look and be the people we want to represent. Because if we are, I believe that will be the most powerful way of keeping the Labour leadership headed in particularly in a progressive economic direction. Because if the ballast of our party, the people representing us, are people that have come from the trade union movement, people that are key workers, they know more powerfully than anyone else the damage of the Conservative government, the lack of funding, the years of cuts that have impacted them. When that care home worker, barely on the living wage, is lifting an old person out of bed, they will never forget how difficult this situation has been over the past few months. And they would have seen on television that the Prime Minister cannot even remember how much they are paid, let alone commit to giving them the real living wage. And so to have someone like that as a public advocate, as a councillor, standing up for their community and going through the ranks to then become an MP is a powerful way of building our movement. So I want to end on that note and to say to people, now is the time not just to be involved in a trade union, to work alongside us as one movement and to stand up and step up because it's your time to shine and become a Labour councillor, a Labour MP and represent our movement as we head towards government in 2024. Thank you, Sam. And thanks for all your work in supporting BA workers, your real asset to Parliament. Our next speaker is Joe Grady, who, as an academic at Sheffield University, uh, researched the trade unions and the labour movement. And she's now General Secretary of UCU. So we're so lucky to have someone with such a wealth of knowledge with us today. Welcome, Joe. Hi, I'm having me here. Um, I don't normally start um, speeches at fringes with kind of anecdotes about myself, but I think it's probably worthwhile in this instance, um, because as people probably know, UCU is, is not an affiliated trade union. Um, and I think I was asked to speak today sort of on that basis. Um, but I also think that part of what we're doing today is reflecting on trade unionists uh, and trade unions relationship 
with the Labour Party. So with that said, uh, I was born in 1984. I was born um, to a family whose uh, male sort of sole breadwinner was a minor and was on strike. Uh, growing up in my household, um, I suspect I probably was introduced to a more um, detailed and more kind of sustained political upbringing than perhaps most people my age as a result that really um, that really did explore whether or not strike action um, is always successful, uh, the extent to which it's really important that you bring people with you if you're going to take strike action and obviously kind of the lessons that can be learned um, from the minor strike. So I would say that I grew up in a household that was incredibly kind of politically aware of both the Labour Party, working class history, and the trade unions movement, particularly the, the mining industry and the NUM's role within that. Um, so, you know, you might think that I would naturally um, always be incredibly supportive of strike action or perhaps always be incredibly supportive of the Labour Party. Um, and I think the time with which I went to college, so I did my A-levels at Wakefield College, um, Wakefield was one of the local authorities that was part of a pilot um, for the educational maintenance allowance, which um, those of you watching will know that it was something that allowed um, numerous working class kids to go to college and do A-levels rather than have to go to work. Um, and then I was the first in my family to go to university. Um, not only did I do an undergraduate, but um, level of study that I didn't even know existed uh, when I went to university, i.e. postgraduate study at MA and then PhD level, I stayed on and did that too. So a bit of a weird coming together of personal circumstances, both when I was born and then obviously massively benefiting from some flagship early on kind of new labour policies that really were designed to help working class people navigate a structure that is often um, excluding for them. Um, and yet, <laughs> I ended up writing a PhD that was actually um, really critical of New Labour, um, really critical of the extent to which over that, um, particularly towards the end of the New Labour period, um, the party, I think I even used this language in my PhD, kind of collaborated in neoliberalism and the extent to which um, some trade unions supported a party that often enacted policies that were going to be detrimental to working people, if not per se, their union members. Um, so I really do genuinely like to think of myself as, a, um, as someone who's incredibly invested, as you would expect from a general secretary, into progressing the cause and the interests of working people, but I also consider myself a very critical friend of a labor movement that has not always done that. And actually sometimes I think there has been um, almost a bit of a Stockholm syndrome amongst working people um, that you have to ensure that you do support certain things from the labor party that actually have been unhelpful. And I think that's for me where I'm gonna bring this back to trade unions. And I think that the point of this fringe is because um, you cannot rely on political parties to always do the right things for working people. I think, you know, having now being a general secretary and sort of getting a, a view into the way in which unions and politics um, runs, you just can't rely on that. So I think, you know, one of the questions in the blurb for this event is what is the role of trade unions within Labour? Well, it's not just a blank check for Labour, is it? 
it's to keep them honest. It's to ensure that actually the wishes, the interests, uh, the long-term interests, not just the short-term interests of working people are really centered in policies that we formulate. Um, it's about ensuring that working class people um, are listened to and advanced. And, you know, in, in, in my experience, um, the, the PhD I did was as much a, um, a, a working class and trade union history as it was a contemporary analysis of new labour. We have never done that. We have never advanced the interests of working people by listening to Tories about what is best for us. We have been best when we have formulated and articulated our own ideologies, our own policies, and been unashamedly um, proud of advancing our communities. But what that also means is organizing hard, organizing deeply and educating people. Um, and that you know doesn't mean that we just sort of accept that our thing is happening or the, um, the, the sort of popular way of understanding something is, is the way in which we have to behave. And I think immigration, um, anti-racism campaigning, um, uh, uh, anti-trans issues and, and being advocates and allies for trans people. It is our role and it has always been the role of trade unions to campaign and educate. Um, trade unions have never accepted that, you know, there may be bigoted views within their memberships and that they should acquiesce to them. Um, trade unions have always been in communities, spaces where we educate each other. And that is what I think is key about bringing people into trade unions, but keeping them in, is that actually there's a space and a role and a voice. And if that involves having a political kind of architecture to it, such as the Labour Party, then there is a clear way that your engagement with that political party actually helps advance the interests of the groups of people um, that you are representing. And I think that that's what makes this particular moment um, and uh, Labour and our role together um, particularly interesting. So, you know, an another one of the questions of this event was, um, how the union link has shaped the development of both labour and unions. And I think that in this moment, some of you will have seen UCU's campaigning around all the educational workers that, that we represent from prisons, adult ed, FE and HE. We're incredibly concerned um, that this government is formulating um, non-data-driven measures and guidance, uh, contradictory guidance and measures, and ultimately um, guidance and measures that are going to be dangerous, um, that are going to lead to at least needless illness, potentially needless deaths. And again, will lead to the scapegoating of certain individuals from universities perspectives. We're already seeing them trying to scapegoat students, even though we know sending students back to university towns where there isn't a track and trace um, is gonna be a recipe for disaster. So I do think the role of unions, and this is definitely how I see myself, is um, to um, unapologetically represent their members and their sectors. We know them better than anyone else, particularly for a GS like me who's come from the sector. Um, to be really clear and articulate and as far as we can data-driven in what we're putting forward. But also I think to put forward bold visions, um, you know, um, Arundhati Roy recently said that the pandemic is a portal and that we should be talking about what we want to see when we come through the pandemic. Um, and as I say, I don't think any working class interest has ever been advanced um, by trying to ameliorate the very worst of what Tories tell us we can expect. Um, so what I really want to see is a union movement that helps inform 
a bolder vision um, from Labour about what we can achieve, what we can deserve. Um, I think our partnership within that is to be the people on the ground, bringing people into the movement, educating them, um, holding the line, uh, la allowing people to know that they can get better, that they deserve better. Um, and I really see it in that kind of symbiotic way, really. But, you know, I can't kind of campaign honestly on the ground um, for a political party that doesn't, on a national level, give up the goods and actually give me something when I'm on the ground to sort of say to people, this is what you need to believe in. This is what you need to trust in. These are the people going to help us deliver on our industrial um, and other kind of organising demands. And I think that's the, the real clincher for me, really, in terms of how the relationship works, how it will work going forward, um, and how unions really need to relate to the Labour Party. Because I think, you know, from my own political and academic background, nobody's advance, interests are advanced by simply pinning all our hopes on stuff turning out good in the end. Um, and, and and that's kind of the, the, the two-way relationship, I guess. So um, I'll finish there. Thanks. Thanks so much, Joe. Uh, couldn't agree more. And solidarity to all your members being put at risk due to this government. Um, our next speaker is Leo Panich. Uh, he's author of Searching for Socialism and also The End of Parliamentary Socialism, which outlines the struggle for party democracy and the relationship between the party and the union start in the latter parts of the 20th century. Uh, he's also Emeritus Professor of Politics at York University in Toronto, and it's very early in Toronto, so extra thanks to Leo for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you very much, Gemma. Uh, it's really great to be here. Uh, the last time I was on a panel with uh, Len McCluskey uh, was at last year's party conference uh, in Brighton. Uh, it was not a TWT panel, uh, but a joint Unite and Young Labour panel, and there were over 200 young people uh, in the hall. And uh, Len electrified the young people crowd by turning on them and saying, are you leavers, are you remainers, or are you socialists? Uh, and they all rose as one and applauded. And uh, that is so important because that was put on the agenda by Jeremy coming to the leadership of the Labour Party. Uh, it was in a, done in a way that was, if I may use this term, ass backwards. Jeremy became leader uh, without the party itself having been changed very much. Uh, and it was always uh, dubious uh, whether uh, you could see through labor becoming a democratic socialist party for the 21st century in a way that it had evolved through the 20th century not to be indeed produced a leadership which was not only anti-socialist and uh as joe said so well embraced neoliberalism uh but was attempting to distance the party from uh, its class belonging was attempting to uh, present itself as the furthest thing as a party from the trade unions. Uh, so what was put on the agenda was whether that class relationship uh, could usher in a creative democratic socialist labor party 
uh, in the 21st century. And that task just began in 2015. Uh, this particular World Transform meeting is so important. Uh, and I wish it was taking place in person and I wish uh, I could be there um, as I've been fortunate enough to be in Liverpool and in Brighton uh, at the previous party conferences that the world transformed, transformed because it was its festival of cultural events and discussions uh, that changed the nature of party conferences as Len said. Uh, so why this is so important, this particular coming together in cyberspace, is that uh, we are now faced, as uh, you know, is the Democratic Socialist DSA in the United States with after the Sanders campaign, we are now faced with the long-term strategic question of how to continue this revival of democratic socialism in the 21st century, which is so essential given a capitalism. We see this most blatantly uh, in the run-up to the American election on this side of the Atlantic, uh, a capitalism that is irrational, chaotic, uh, and increasingly authoritarian and even dangerously fascistic in its tendencies. Uh, we have an enormous responsibility to continue uh, what we tried with the shortcut in putting forward uh, such remarkable old socialists as Jeremy uh, and, and Bernie Sanders uh, to try to continue that. And the World Transform uh, will have to play a central role in this. Now, one has to say that uh, you know, I attended my first Labour Party conference uh, in 1970, 50 years ago, uh, as a young, uh, very green behind the ears Canadian who had come to the LSE to uh, do a PhD uh, and was studying the party's relationship with the unions under the wage controls, the incomes policy uh, that the Wilson government had introduced in the 1960s. Um, and, and it was at that conference that uh, the enormous resentment uh, at the way in which class struggle was now taking place inside the Labour Party under a Labour government uh, after they were defeated in 1970, that gave rise uh, to uh, what the Benite movement, uh, Tony Benn's leadership of the attempt to transform the Labour Party, and support from that coming from left-wing trade unionists. Uh, especially in Unite's predecessor, the Transport and General Workers, under Jack Jones. Um, it, you know, it, what, it has to be said that, that the relationship between the unions and the party uh, really was in uh, its operative sense uh, for most of the 20th century, a relationship whereby the trade union leadership were the Praetorian Guard for a parliamentary leadership, which was not socialist, uh, which made a decision uh, at various points in time, not only uh, in the 1950s, uh, even in the 1930s. And you saw that, of course, with the split in the Labour Party uh, under McDonald, uh, had made a decision that the party was not a socialist party. It not only was not promoting class struggle, 
the Labour Party had always been more oriented to class harmony than class struggle. Uh, but it was not a socialist party. And the union leadership was the Praetorian Guard uh, in protecting the party leadership against the great many people who were socialists always in the Labour Party. Um, that began to change in the 1970s uh, with the union support for the Benite movement, for the CLPD, etc. Uh, but the hope on the most part, on the part of even people like Jones, was that the Labour Party leadership would listen more to the trade union leadership uh, and, and be more progressive as a result and more union supportive as a result. Uh, a secondary concern of theirs was to actually change, to democratize, to transform the Labour Party into an active mobilizer, an active educator of the changing working class so it too was in its communities, uh, uh, not only a class community, uh, but one that turned the values of the labor movement into a movement for democratic socialism, for attempting to transcend uh, this exploitative and irrational capitalist system. Uh, it, in the early 80s, that union leadership uh, for the most part, without changing their politics, some of them did, pulled the plug on the attempt to change the Labour Party in the face of it being clear that the majority of Labour MPs uh, would leave the Labour Party rather than let it become socialist. Uh, and, and as always, the left took the unity of the party on its own shoulders. Uh, that not only led to Kinnock, it eventually led to Blair and New Labour. And not only the attempt to marginalize socialists like Jeremy uh, in, in the parliamentary party, uh, but to distance the Labour Party from the trade union. Uh, before the end of, of Blair's first term, that already produced in the union uh, the type of uh, activists coming to the fore uh, that Len described himself as being. And, and a generation of activists emerged uh, at various leadership levels of, of the union uh, who were determined to return the Labour Party to being a party of the unions and more uh, to being, uh, as far as possible, uh, a mobilizer, an educator of the working class to socialist values and socialist activities. Uh, that had not gotten very far uh, by the time Jeremy got elected, and he couldn't have gotten elected, not only by the tremendous influx of young activists uh, into the Labour Party, but without that change that had taken place in the union leadership. Uh, uh, that said, uh, while Unite had made its main goal uh, under New Labour and continued that under Ed Miliband, uh, that of ensuring that working class people, uh, as Sam and Joe were saying, uh, would become representatives uh, at the parliamentary level. Uh, the relationship between the unions and uh, trade union, sponsored trade union MPs in the parliamentary party changed very little. Uh, I don't know that uh, Len ever went to a meeting of Unite MPs and said, are you MPs or are you socialists? Uh, and that relationship uh, needs to be changed. Uh, 
there needs to be some degree of accountability to the class, uh, not only through the electoral process every four years or so, uh, there needs to be a much more organic accountability uh, and, and a much greater commitment uh, to be trying to develop the talents and skills to be able to act as socialists, not only as representatives, uh, but in the communities as mobilizers and educators to reform a working class, which we must admit uh, is now so balkanized uh, and, and in which socialists are no longer opinion leaders at the pub, as they used to be in the old days where an old steward, whether communist or left socialist labor party, whatever, would be able to, you know, sitting around a beer, give an interpretation of Brexit in terms of how do we think about this as socialists? Uh, we now are under a leader uh, who, of course, made his name uh, and his reputation uh, in terms of an attempt to deal with the Brexit question uh, in a uh, efficient and, and intelligent way. Um, but is in no sense committed to the socialist project. Uh, and the question now becomes whether the relationship with working class representatives uh, who are in parliament uh, will turn back to the conventional one. Now that we have a conventional leader of the Labour Party, uh, who of course wants to manage capitalism in a more humane and a more efficient manner, uh, than Boris or any of his ilk would, uh, but is uh, no more than that. Uh, that needs to be recognized, and, and we need a strategy to deal with that, and the relationship with the parliamentarians is one element of this. But a second is, and we must say this honestly, that the relationship between the unions and the party organization uh, has not changed very much. Jenny Formby was a left-wing trade union activist, uh, a socialist, uh, became lead general secretary of the party. That's all very good. Uh, but she became general secretary through a very conventional and familiar stitch-up between uh, the trade unions and the parliamentary leadership. Uh, the uh, question that was put on the agenda as to whether general secretary should be elected by the party membership uh, is one that was not taken up and needs to be, uh, precisely in terms of uh, the party apparatus needing to have a commitment uh, uh, to carrying through democratic socialist policies and principles and activities, uh, even when a labor government or a labor leadership is subject to all of the pressures uh, of entering into a bureaucratic state which is in no sense constructed in such a way as to see through socialist uh, uh, strategy. Uh, and of course, all of the hostile forces uh, domestically and internationally uh, to a socialist labor government. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, no, I wanna make one more point about that. And this very much has to do with the, with the representatives of the unions on the NEC. Uh, who generally tend to be uh, people who uh, are there because it's pretty clear that they're not going to move up to the trade union hierarchy at the highest position, uh, who are not very accountable 
to uh, they may be to their general secretaries, but certainly not to uh, trade union activists, and don't have it as their agenda as Len does to be thinking about while they're on the NEC, uh, how do we turn the Labour Party into a agency? And I'm speaking of the party apparatus now for socialist education, uh, for re-enlivening and recreating, reforming really uh, the British working class, which is now so different than it was in uh, the 20th century, uh, let alone the 19th century. Uh, and that then relates to what is the union's direct role, uh, not just uh, by its linkages to the party apparatus, but in the communities. Uh, what is its direct role uh, to carrying through uh, the agenda that Lynn was setting when he uh, said to young labor, are you Libras, are you Remainers, or are you socialists? Uh, what are the unions doing uh, to redevelop working class communities uh, in which the Labour Party branch meeting the Labour Party branch, the trade union branch, are centers of working class life, and in which socialist ideas and socialist strategy uh, are the subject of uh, discussion and debate at every level. Um, uh, it, it's not a matter uh, simply of getting uh, trade union activists, uh, working class people to become councillors, and then hopefully to become MPs. Uh, that's a, uh, a ladder uh, that perhaps is inevitable and not to be objected to. But the main objective has to be uh, that those councillors, uh, with their links with the unions, begin to recreate a dynamic and creative British working class. Now, this I say this, uh, you know, sitting here in Canada, knowing that this is not simply a problem for Britain. Uh, this is a problem everywhere. It's a problem in Germany, where the SDP is now down to 11% in the polls. It's a problem for Sweden, um, where a neo-fascistic right-wing party uh, is getting many working-class votes. Among people who voted uh, for the Workers' Party in Sweden uh, their whole lives. Uh, and obviously, it's a problem in the United States, as we know uh, so horrifically. Uh, so it's a general problem, but it's a crucial one. Um, and I'll, I just want to end by saying that the, the, the task of getting Jeremy elected as a socialist leader of the Labour Party was only the beginning of this. Um, and in a sense, as I said before, it was backwards. Uh, what one now needs to do, and, and the world transformed will be crucial to this, uh, is to develop a long-term strategy uh, to actually try to turn the Labour Party into a socialist party in the sense that I've been speaking of, and eventually to take a deep breath. And if that involves those people who are not socialists, especially in the parliamentary party, threatening to leave, uh, to take a deep breath and saying, well, we have a long-term strategy here, and if that means you leaving on the eve of an election, uh, and we would lose that election, we may have to look at that. Uh, uh, in order to uh, see through uh, uh, the long-term need, and it is a need now, to put the transformation uh, of capitalism into socialism back on the agenda. In the end, the left and the union left uh, 
is going to have stopped have to stop taking the unity of the party on its own shoulders. Uh, it's going to have to take the main task of turning the party into a democratic socialist working class party in the 21st century on its shoulders. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. That was fascinating. There's some fascinating ideas about the historical tension between the party and the class and how, how the Labour Party approaches this. So thank you. Um, I'm going to ask now if any of our panellists would like to come back on any of the points that were made by other um, comrades in the discussion. And then I'll take it to some questions. Len? Yep. Um, thanks, Gemma. Uh, it's, it's always fascinating to listen to Leo. Um, and uh, it's good to see him again. And of course, he raises a number of issues. And I just wanted to pick up some of those issues because um, I, I think one of the questions that's come in from Charlie Clark is the tensions that have grown up in the last few years. We've seen it at conference between the CLP delegates and the trade unions. How do we deal with that? Well, we have to, because one thing's for certain, the points that Leo was making is um, trade union leaders, tra trade unions and trade union general secretaries our role in life is to represent workers, our members in work. That's our, 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 our main role. Uh, but of course, as we mentioned before, the historical reason for creating a party of labor in the political arena was because many of the victories we were getting in the industrial field were being undermined. And so the tensions that exist, and uh, Leo's absolutely right, um, the, the trade union leaders for a long, long time, even some on the left, um, were seen as people who would support the labor bureaucracy against the radical developments. Uh, remember, the labor, uh, the trade unions had 90% of the conference vote at one stage in, in the 80s. Uh, it's still 50%. Um, and I used to be at those conferences and seeing CLP delegates getting angry that they wanted to move a more progressive line only to be stopped by a trade union block vote. Now, things have improved. And so my answer to Charlie is that we still have to argue for more democracy uh, within the party. Um, Leo talks about the election of the general secretary. Well, why not? We we elect our leader uh, of the party. Why not elect uh, the uh, the general secretary of the party? Um, it, this all leads to this wonderful word about accountability. And it is the accountability to advance our class, to advance our vision of a better society that we all should be working about. That's why I was asking to make certain that you join in the become a member of a trade union because in those trade unions are the same tensions and arguments that take place between right wing and left wing. Um, uh, and of course the linkage, uh, I'm glad Sam, uh, Sam Tarry mentioned British Airways. It gives me an opportunity to thank Sam. He's been doing a fantastic job of work in parliament, in the political arena, with a parliamentary voice to expose one of our blue chip companies 
who had adopted this incredibly immoral position of firing all of their staff, 40,000 staff fired, only to be rehired. Now, fortunately, United has pushed back on that. We've fought that and they've had to take a step back. And that really links me to what I want to say to Leo's contribution. It is about fighting. Fighting is the key word here. Um, trade unions fight in the workplace. We join to fight in the political arena. And the left need to unite all of the different elements of the left. We're really good on the left falling out with each other and pointing out the differences we have. But we have to find common ground to continue to fight. That is the key. The, the structures of the party are uh, very important. Jeremy gets elected as our leader massively, has an incredible impact in the country. And yet the bureaucracy of the party, the general secretary at the time, his senior people at the time, uh, we see now from the leaked documents, were effectively acting, were working against him. And therefore, capturing, if you like, for a democratic party, the structures of the party is, is important. The NEC, as you know, have just passed uh, a motion about single transferable votes. Now, the reason for that, there wasn't a proper debate on the democracy of it all because I'm open to um, debating things. I've always been against the status quo. Even if the status quo is good, I always take the view, well, it can be better. Uh, but there was no debate because there was a belief by the bureaucracy in the party that STV uh, would give uh, them a better chance of winning NEC seats. So those battles and tensions continue all the time. And it's why it's so essential that the rank and file, the grassroots alliance, it's so uh, essential that you keep active and you keep shaking the cage. Uh, my union, of course, <clears throat> was totally supportive of Jeremy Corbyn and, you know, uh, finance is important. And so, of course, we make finance available. We make finance available. The, Leo asked a great question. Do I meet with Unite MPs and ask them, are they socialists? I do with, you meet with Unite MPs, Leo, um, and we have over 100. And there's some interesting debates and discussions that we've had. But we what we have been doing in recent times is obviously taking a more focused look at some of those MPs because um, there's only a limited amount of money to be used. And we want to make certain that we are promoting the causes of socialism. It's why, as I mentioned before, I've been a member of CLPD since the 70s. I'm a big fan of momentum, of the TWT, and indeed all those other groups who seek the same vision. So fighting is absolutely important and democratizing our party more is essential. And we will get there. And Charlie's point about tensions, and I'll finish on this, is we need to understand each other better. In particular, the CLPs, lots of CLP delegates, young delegates who don't really understand how trade unions operate. I'd ask you to try to learn more about that. 
Go on the websites and join a union. Get actively involved. My union, for example, welcomes everybody, and including those who are not in work, anyone from the age of 16 to 116 can join our family to be part of this collected voice, not only in the workplace, but in the communities. And that's why I created, we're the only union that has community members, because it was always my view that whilst we fight within the workplace for better pay and better conditions, my members go back into their communities and their neighbours are suffering because of the attacks of austerity and other attacks levelled against them. And therefore, I wanted to say in our communities, come and be part of this collective. I'm very proud of uh, Unite Community. And it is about us trying to understand how trade unions work and linking and liaising. And I hope to do a lot more with the various um, grassroots movements we've got so that we can... Uh, uh, we can make certain that we're on the same page and we're fighting for the same outcome. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, Len. And thanks so much to your union support of our uh, STV Put It To Conference campaign that CLPG carried out recently. We're very grateful for that support. Would any of our other panellists like to come in and uh, say anything about the other um, contributions that have been made or shall I ask a few questions from the floor? Okay, I'm going to... Oh, Sam? Yeah, I was just going yeah, to just... on that question that Charlie Clark uh, answered as well. Uh, so, sorry, Len answered. So, I just think it's really important. I mean, I remember being on the conference floor, a couple of conferences back, and I think it only served me we were debating about this collection as well. And uh, Manuel Cortez, who was my state at the time, a member of that guy who was obviously a CLP member, super kind of like, you know, enthusiastic. And, Kind of coming up to us and you know just shouting at us and just saying, oh, you know, why are you not backing this? And it's actually the way that we want. And part of the problem we try to explain to them is that you know every single trade union has its own conferences, and that's their own conferences. They decide policy. So we're not there just to represent what we particularly decide on that day. We're there to represent what's been democratically decided by the members of our trade union, and that will be the same for all of the different unions. So I think that part about um, education that Len has talked about is really, really important. That's why the political schools that trade unions run and hopefully the ones that are going to be run for uh, key workers. But these things can also be run jointly with Young Labour. I was the National Chair of Young Labour for a few years. And we often used to do things jointly with Unite, GMB and other unions in terms of running training and education and political schools. Because you know, there are different types of democracy in a federal party, a wide party with different traditions, it's really important to understand that. Because if we have narratives that, you know, the trade unions are having block votes or unaccountable leaders, ultimately that rhetoric is rooted in the rhetoric of the right wing, of the conservatives, and the failure to understand that actually trade unions' decision-making processes are equally democratic, but they're based on coming to collective decisions that come up from the workplace and then go through to become policy within each of those unions. And I think that, you know, one thing I would really point out is that often, particularly on the Labour left, we could maybe learn a little bit in terms of the amount of solidarity that unions show with each other. 
Because ultimately, when the chips are down, working people have got to have each other's backs. And so one of the things I'm really pleased that you know people involved in PWT, Labour Party members across the country, that we get back to running some of those fantastic political schools that take trade union members, take young Labour Party members, give them the education about the history of our movement, about the great victories of our movement that have shaped this country and shaped the world, in fact, and that there are that deeper understanding. Because I never want to have a situation where we are at conference with CLP delegates shouting across the floor at trade union delegates. Um, and I won't repeat the things that they were saying, but it was outrageous. But it came fundamentally from a lack of understanding about collectivism versus individualism. I think that that's something that can be done through teaching and understanding. And ultimately, you know, trade unions are responsible for nearly every progressive political decision in terms of, you know, the structure of our society, in terms of the creation of the NHS, you know, hours we work every week, the living wage, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And so that, if we get that right, that understanding right, you know, we're not always going to agree. You know, we know that there are differences when trade unions are representing workers in the energy sector and that there are people who are obviously they're rightly wanting to move forward as fast as possible because of the danger that the planet is so acutely on. But we need to find a space to be able to come and work together so that we're not at loggerheads, but that we can actually build a united movement that is rooted in workplaces as much as it is in CLP meetings. That's incredibly important. I believe that that can happen. That's why I'm keen to work on, and I'm keen to work on with TWT. Because I think if we get that right, we can really build on that strength of our movement that Jeremy Corbyn left behind, those 500,000 members, and make it even more powerful, turn into millions. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I'm going to take um, a question. I've got an interesting question here, which um, says unions are naturally defensive as labour power is weak in the UK. How can we make our unions and the members who make up them more proactive, i.e. campaigning, fighting and bold? Joe, would you like to say anything on this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, my perspective on all of this is that we um, won't really get the um, things we want or deserve in the sectors that we represent if we don't build towards super majority strikes. Um, we've got a big problem in the UK that density and unions have been low. Um, in UCU, we're currently hosting an organising school with the Rosa um, Luxemburg Foundation and Jane McAlevey directly aimed at how we organise and how we increase density. Um, because I think unions have often been pushed into defensive positions. Um, and I think that we also, as a, as a movement, I'm not suggesting there aren't individual unions that this doesn't apply to, but we have become quite obsessed with actually either repealing the anti-trade union legislation we have in the UK or seeing things like the 50% threshold as, um, as a ceiling rather than a flaw. If you look at some of the really successful strike action or, or even ballots that have produced successful outcomes, it's been when you've had 80, 90% participation. Um, that is how you win industrially. And there's no shortcuts to that. It takes a lot of time to build that kind of organizing capacity. Um, it also means that you have to be really committed to organizing and educating with your members, empowering them in a way that goes beyond sound bites. 
Um, not using the language of we protect, we will do, because it's ultimately workers on the ground who do that for themselves. Um, so I think it's quite a different type of union model and engagement with members that's required, which for various reasons, which I could go into, I don't think a, a lot of UK unions have been very good at. I think um, as the only sort of woman speaker on this panel, I'm, I'm going to have to make a gendered point about the often kind of macho um, culture that you get in unions, um, the sidelining of certain voices, the idea that there is a best way of doing that. And that's often quite a kind of a, a performativity that, you know, talks about um, fighting a lot. You know, if I if I had a buzzword bingo for every time I do a panel and, I, and we talk about fighting, like that is important. But going around and talking to people and organizing and actually organizing the whole person, you know, not just making this a, a kind of a one issue industrial dispute that we check in on people about, but that actually we appeal to things that matter to them all the time. And um, there's a lot of really good organizing in the America's teachers unions that show this that they do organize and campaign on issues that might not specifically be part of their industrial demands, but that they know it's really important to their members and to the communities of their members. And in UCU at the minute, you know, if we think about some of the big campaigns that we've been involved in last month and this month, it's been about standing with students. It's about being their voice as well as our voice in the sector. At the minute, we are desperately trying to educate the British public about what is already happening in Scotland and what is going to happen across the UK in three weeks time when we have 18 year olds trapped in accommodation that they're paying for, um, that we that they can't get out of those rents. Like We are being their voice in education because we know how awful things are going to be in a few weeks time. So, yes, that doesn't necessarily exactly map onto our industrial demands, though. It does because there's a health and safety crisis for UC members, but it's also about asserting yourself as the as the voice of credibility, reason, and the voice to be trusted, and organising people along the way so that if there does become a point where you need to ballot because you think strike action is what's necessary, you know you can rely on a 70-80% turnout because every time you have to go down the scale of 70% to 60% to 50%, you are only going to get half of what you want. You know, if you're trying to fight redundancies, you're only going to save half of the jobs that you're trying to save. And that's really the kind of the, the honest language we have to start talking with members because defensiveness is not going to actually rebuild our sectors and it's not going to deliver the pandemic as a portal kind of transformation that we can achieve. I think we just have to do things quite differently. Thanks, Joe. Would anyone else like to come in on that question? Leo. Well, I only would say I, I think Alex has posed the most important question. The temptation uh, amongst uh, young activists who came into the party uh, in 2015 in such great numbers will be to attempt to uh, secure some victories uh, uh, against a fairly conventional party leadership uh, at party conference um, and to pass resolutions at CLP level uh, and, and see them carried uh, at, at future party conferences. That's all well and good, and I'm sure those issues will be important and necessary. But the really crucial thing now uh, needs is about uh, what is done by those activists uh, beyond the party conference. Uh, very few of those activists 
actually joined through their CLP branch. They mostly joined at the national level and most of them never attended a branch meeting. Uh, moreover, uh, and this is very much the case to pick up Joe's point about the teachers unions and how in certain local areas, not at all at the national level, they have changed in the way that she's describing. Uh, often that took place because young people who were inspired by the Sanders campaign in 2016 then got involved in their teachers unions um, and turned them into the kind of community organizers at a local level uh, that, that Joe was talking about. That is going to have to take place uh, in Britain if this is going to be carried forward. Um, and, and the main priority, it seems to me, is not right now inside the party apparatus and a party conference, although that does need to go on, of course. The main priority needs to be outside and needs to be about changing the trade unions, including those unions who were led from the left, who, let's be honest, have not been able to prevent the working class communities losing their class identity. And in many cases, voting UKIP. Uh, so the unions need to be changed. This is as true in North America as, as it is in Europe. Uh, and and it, it, socialist activists who've gone into the Labour Party need to see that as their responsibility uh, to get active in the unions and to change the unions. And that if, if CLP meetings are not going to be deadly boring, this is necessary because they are deadly boring because a few trade union representatives show up at the branch meeting uh, and all you're concerned with is passing resolutions in a way they'll support, rather than turning the party at the community level into a interesting and, and creative community agency. And let's be honest, very few of the trade union people who are in the party apparatus at the local level are nearly enough committed to doing that. Although they are committed to seeing through the boring party meeting and the inevitable procedures that need to be followed, followed through it. Uh, this absolutely has to be changed and it has to be the top priority. So that's it work outside in a sense of getting resolutions to party conference. It's work at changing uh, the community at the working class level. Thank you, Leo. Um, would anyone else like to come back? I, have an, I do have an interesting question. Um, Charlie asked this question in two parts, and the second part has um, been addressed about Labour Party members and the trade unions um, in the question of party democracy and conference. But he also asked, how and in what way can trade unions start to play a bigger role in building socialist education beyond just the education programs they provide for their members? Would anyone like to, to come in on that? Sam, perhaps? Or... I think... You're muted. <laughs> Not like me to be muted. Um, 
One of the things the uh, uh, the trade unions, I think, can easily do, and this is perhaps something that could be explored, you know, through the excellent initiatives around community membership, are uh, a lot of the, the teaching materials, quite simply, that have been developed for very good, you know, political schools. I mean, some of the political schools I ran, I've got some of the best um, educationists from the trade union movement to come in. And we had a real programme of not just making those people think about consumer standards councillors and maybe even run as MPs. It also helped them be better industrial reps as well. I think they had a grounding in the history and understanding of the kind of wider movement. A lot of those materials I think could be easily taken by an organisation like TWT. You could get some of those same educational trainers and actually put on for Labour Party members. Because I think one of the things that we used to have in local CLPs were actually you know, trade union kind of education or trade union history officers. And I think that one of the things that doesn't often happen is you could go along in the Labour Party to sets of training, which are about, yeah, maybe becoming a councillor or how to run a particular website for an election, all of that kind of stuff. But not often is there actually political education, an education of how our economy works, an education of why our society is structured as it is, why if you're born as a woman or if you're born as a black person, the barriers that are put ahead of you are far greater than someone who looks like me. And so I think that that political education is, for me, really actually change people into being activists because it gives people the motivation and the understanding. And I think that that's something that really probably work together as trade unions and organisations like TWT, Momentum. And to be honest, I would like to see, and we'll try and push it through, particularly the deputy leadership team, where we have a remit to oversee things on training, more political education to politicise people, a bit like the Iraq war politicised me as a young man. Thanks. I'll bring Lenin next. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, look, Charlie's asked a couple of uh, awkward questions. What can we do um, in political education? <clears throat> other than our members. Of course, it's our members, Charlie, who pay their union dues. That enables us to create finances um, in order to service them. Uh, there's limited funds available. In Unite, we run uh, political courses, quite a lot of them. But you're right, only for our members. Now, we do support other areas of political education. I think Sam's touched upon an interesting point about what we should be uh, developing within the Labour Party to see if there's more things that are available um, to deal with the more intricate issues that surround politics, not just the running of a Labour Party and how the Labour Party works, but indeed the whole political system in which we um, in which we live, and it really is um, together. We need to develop this. There's no. It's not like the unions can have this huge pot of money that they can dole out. It has to be focused and worked through together. Sam, in uh, responding to a question before, was explaining what happened at the Labour Party conference in. Liverpool, let me just very, very quickly say, because I understood the anger from our CLP uh, delegates at that conference. I was there. It was so uh, evident that a virtual block vote of the Labour Party 
uh, won the day against, I don't know, 95% of the CLPs. It shocked me. What? And the, and the reason it shocked me was the lack of communication because I was the one that persuaded a number of other trade unions to support the position because it was what Jeremy Corbyn wanted. Now, Jeremy should have come out and made that clear to CLP delegates, the vast majority of whom support him. And therefore, it was, it was unfortunate that we found ourselves in this situation. Better communications is needed. Delegates need to understand trade unions more of what we can do with limited resources that we have. Um, and again, a message to join a union. All unions, to my knowledge, give educational programs. Um, and by joining a union, you go back to Leo's point of making certain that the industrial wing of our movement, uh, the industrial wing of our movement is in tune with the political wing and the political objectives. Yeah, I um, I wanted to say a few things because I think um, to connect back to what I was saying earlier and I think riffing off the point that Leo was making about community organising, um, I mean, I would say from UCU's perspective, we are doing precisely what Charlie calls for, but you have to locate the moments when you're going to be most successful at doing it. Um, so in this past 12 months, UCU, both in further education and, and higher education, has been involved in industrial action. Uh, in further education, Nottingham College um, took 15 days of strike action. And after those initial 15 days, as a branch voted to take more. And that was in pursuit of um, opposing a wholesale horrific contract change, which would have been a massive downgrading in terms and conditions for those workers. Now, often in education, the, the customer, if we're to use the sort of language of neoliberalism, is weaponized against the teacher or is weaponized against the staff more broadly in a college or a university. We have not seen this, either it's successfully anyway, either in higher education or further education strikes in the UK in the last two years. Students have been on picket lines with the staff. Um, they've been engaged in teach outs. So not necessarily just um, teaching staff, but other staff in universities who have a particular passion for a subject have delivered education on the picket line to students, to members of the public, to community groups, and have really used their profession and the reason they're withdrawing their labor to speak more broadly to the stakeholders and people in their communities who otherwise might actually be used against them to undermine their collective action. So I think that um, you know the kind of formal educational programs that we do are one thing, but that community organizing of literally kind of wrapping your industrial cause and wrapping the community around that and demonstrating that there's much bigger things that are under threat here than just how many holiday days somebody gets or the amount of people who are working a particular kind of workload. And it's when you can make the political personal and connect out to people that you are gonna get more people joining the union because they see it as relevant but you're also going to get more people in the community supporting action when it happens because they understand what the consequences are otherwise. And I think this is really, really important because that then as a union gives you the courage and your members the courage to do that all the time and every day. Because the kind of transformation that we're talking about where people will talk about socialism or talk about whatever the politics that they want to see enacted with pride and with courage rather than a dirty secret with somebody is when it's part of what we're doing every day. 
And that's why when I was elected general secretary, I thought it was really important because I we know from the surveys we've done of UCU members that many of them are very strongly pro-immigration, um, that they believe that borders damage people. Um, they had very strong views about what we should be doing in this country on those issues. And I was out there at demos because that's what you do. And actually, if you're an education union and you've got an amazing set of articulate you know, professional members, we are the best ambassadors in communities to be doing that. And I want everybody in every branch to feel that that's what they can do. And I think for me, Charlie, that's the best education you can do. Um, but people need to be led from the front, I think, to do that. And they need to know that when you are in dispute, those are the activities that you encourage, because I think they work and they're fundamentally the only thing that's going to shift the dial on. And also, if, if Labour aren't going to do these things for us, then we can show them what they should be doing and do it best. Oh, and thanks to all the speakers and attendees for such an interesting discussion, a really interesting Q&A. Uh, to continue the discussions, the World Transform has set up a dedicated space on their community forum. So if you've already set up an account, you can click the link in the chat and find the relevant discussion thread uh, to this event. If you've registered for the festival, you can check your emails for the sign up link to the forum. Um, remember that there are loads of events at the World Transforms 20 to fill up, um, but they fill up very quickly. So make sure to register for any that you'd like to attend as quickly as possible and um, make sure that you've registered the festival at theworldtransform.org slash register um, and then go to the uh, individual event you'd like to register for on the programme. Um, if you've enjoyed the session and would like to help sustain the work of The World Transformed um, throughout the festival and beyond, then please consider supporting at theworldtransformed.org slash support. Thanks again so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy The World Transformed and the party's online conference. Thanks. View the full TWT20 programme and become a supporter today to help us deliver political education all year round at theworldtransformed.org.